take I want to go inside something with you. I don't care what it is. <laughs> Here we go. You're welcome, Trailer Park Podcast. Nathan, worried or excited? I'm excited. Daniel, it's a horror movie. Worried or excited? God damn it, I will kill myself. Worried. Are you worried or excited? An invitation for rigid and spastic penetration. You seem satisfied. Affirmative. The trailer made me emotional. Real lumpy flesh dragger. Raising awareness about masturbation addiction. Don't get it on my territory. I can't stand seeing someone do it worse. Oh my god, here it comes. Here it comes. It's so wet. Oh my god, it's coming. Trailer Park Podcast, episode 108. If you don't show up, you don't get to be in the intro. Gentlemen, welcome. (gasps) Welcome, Nathan. I welcome everyone. I welcome the cool billion to uh, what has been a long time coming. A nostalgic gentleman's episode. Intern, welcome. Thank you, Nathan. That was the nicest intro I've ever received. Well, there will be a... It did seem weird that you included him in the term men. (laughs) Well... (laughs) It's um, it's time to throw some of that uh, abuse to the side tonight because we're here to celebrate each other as men. We are here to celebrate being men. We are we are gentlemen, gentlemen with male genitals. The man episode sequel. Mm. No girls allowed. Part two. <laughs> yes, uh, and one hundred eight gentlemen is an abundant number. It's a semi perfect number. It's. Got a lot of weird shit going on, actually. Um, in Buddhism, uh, the number is reached by multiplying the senses, smell, touch, taste, hearing, sight, and consciousness by whether they are painful, pleasant, neutral, and then again by whether these are internally generated, generated or externally occurring. And yet again by past, present, and future, finally we get 108 feeling. Mm. That's a lot of feelings. I don't know if... Mm-hmm. And they say I don't men know if don't I have feel. that many. If you feel... That that is a bunch of hooey and nonsense. Well, let me tell you that the number 108 means that it feels comfortable being and acting alone. (sighs) Mm -hmm. People who work or live within 108 energy are likely to be affected by its residence. It is self-determined, business-oriented, and inclusive. Okay, enough bullshit. You know what 108 really is? It's the hard-throbbing cock of numbers. (laughs) Man. Uh, okay, we're recently been starting out episodes by talking about what didn't make the cut. Um, what has been left to the wayside and why? The lineup selection is a very thorough process conducted by Sad Sack Studios, and they think long and hard about the decisions that they make. Gentlemen, the Grinch will not be appearing on Trailer Park Podcast. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. well, it is, what, 10, 12 years old? Well, they just made a new one. <laughs> Another one? Yeah, with Benedict yeah, Cumberbatch. An animated... Is this one both live action and animated? I believe it's just animated. No, it's just animated. It has like the Grinch as a child. So Wait, computer animated? Stupid, yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. No grievances, gentlemen? No, I'm glad that's not in the lineup. All right. Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald. Didn't do the first one. Why would we do the second one? Too much CGI. Too many animals inside of a suitcase. Go fuck yourself, J.K. Rowling. Am I right? Um, I don't know. <laughs> that's my reaction to whatever these post Harry Potter movies are. Right. Like, I, like the Hobbit after Lord of the Rings. It's like, no, no. So these Harry Potter films have the same impact that any Marvel movie has right now. God, you just got it. You stick it in your craw and you just churn. <laughs> yeah. It's awful. Mm-hmm. He uh, also has four stomachs. I wish to slowly pass <laughs> those negative feelings through. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing uh, is with, the Marvel Universe, yes, I understand that the 
there's not much that you can change up to the format of the Marvel movies. So they kind of string together after a while and maybe don't seem that exciting. But at least these are long established characters. Someone somewhere has an attachment to these characters. Oh, Dumbledore's in the new movie. But this post, I'm not relevant anymore because Harry Potter's over. I got to write a new series. This shit. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. And and it also loses its nationalism. Mm, yeah. the, the original yeah. Harry Potter series is UK only, hired only UK actors. Fantastic Beasts is about the American side of the wizarding world. So oh, it's like, it loses that part of it. I always kind of admired that part of it. That It was like, if you're not British, you don't get to be in a Harry Potter movie. I kind of thought that was an exclusive thing that kind of was neat. Uh, wait till the next set of sequels when you can only be Russian. Oh, great. Mm. Or uh, Chinese. They'll do the... African Harry Potter. The Chinese version. <laughs> Yeah, there's something going on there that's just off. Uh, the next one that didn't make the cut is Instant Family, starring Mark, Mark Wahlberg. Oh, the adoption movie. Yeah, Daniel doesn't even know what this is. No, it sounds like a, <laughs> a porno almost. Uh, everyone's talking about Mark Wahlberg being a serious actor now. Yeah, well, Mark Wahlberg and uh, I think, what's what's her name? Shit, asshole here. She's a, she's a chick from Neighbors, anyway. And, uh, you know, they're husband-wife, and they're, oh, happy-go-lucky, we're going to op- adopt children, and blah, 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 and everything's funny and comedy and stupid. And finally, the one that's probably was the closest to making the lineup was The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Oh, that didn't make the cut? That sounds like Coen uh, Brothers. Coen yeah. Brothers, yes. Netflix. Yeah, it's Coen Brothers. Oh, it is Coen Brothers? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a Coen Brothers movie. And the trailer's not bad, and it's fine. But the real reason why it got cut, gentlemen, is because it didn't fit tonight's theme. Not manly enough. There's been an outcry at Sad Sack Studios for themes. They want more themes. Yeah, we're trying to appeal to children. Tonight's lineup delivers us a theme, gentlemen. And that theme is one of the most ancient forms of manliness, the duel. (gasps) The one-on-one pissing contest that requires a score to be settled. Oh, interesting. For our opening fodder tonight, we will look at some legendary duels, single elimination style. All right. Gentlemen, are you ready? I'm ready. What kind of duels are these? With guns, or is that some sort of vague sexual reference? Legendary legendary duels from history. Okay. I will read you one. I will read you another. You must choose which one proceeds in single elimination combat. The duels are dueling. We are going to be evaluating these duels based on our interpretation of the quality of the duel. We're going to be evaluating the different elements presented by the duel and deciding which one deserves to move on. Our first duel comes to us from 1804 between Alexander Hamilton and Aaron Burr. Famously recognized from the peanut butter commercial. (laughs) (laughs) On July 11th, 1804, years of escalating personal and political tensions culminated in the most famous duel in American history. The standoff between Alexander Hamilton, a leading Federalist and former Secretary of the Treasury, and Aaron Burr, who was then serving as Vice President under Thomas Jefferson. Excuse me. (laughs) Hamilton (laughs) Hamilton had come to detest Burr, whom he regarded as an opportunist, and vehemently campaigned against him during his failed 1804 bid to become Governor of New York. Burr resolved to restore his reputation by challenging Hamilton to an affair of honor as duels were then known. The enemies met at the dueling grounds near Weehawken, New Jersey, the same spot where Hamilton's son had died defending his father's honor in November 1801. The loss (gasps) inspired Hamilton to denounce dueling and lend his voice to the growing movement against the practice. According to some accounts, Hamilton never planned to aim at Burr, hoping instead to fire a symbolic shot into the air and resolve the matter peacefully. 
Whatever his intentions, Hamilton missed his opponent, but was promptly shot in the stomach, and he died the next afternoon. Ugh. Yes, few affairs of honor actually resulted in deaths at the time, and the nation was outraged by the killing of a man as eminent as Alexander Hamilton. Public opinion turned against Burr, who was charged with murder. What? He was murder? Later, he was it was later. a consensual duel. <laughs> well, <laughs> now cons- just, just hang on. He was, he was later arrested for treason in an unrelated incident. Acqu- hmm? Acquitted on a technicality, he fled to Europe before returning to private life in New York later on. So, sounds like wow. he made out okay. Just a real character. All right. That's your uh, starting point. Here is your competition. Lady Almeria Braddock and Mrs. Elphinstone. A certain, I already like the names more. Mm-hmm, a certain Mrs. Elphinstone expected no more than a cup of tea when she paid a social call to Lady Almeria Braddock's London home in 1792. But the visit veered off into decidedly unladylike territory when the hostess, evidently enraged by a casual comment Mrs. Elphinstone made about her age. Mm. <laughs> Challenged Classic. her guest to a duel in Hyde Park. According to reports, Mrs. Elphinstone fired her pistol first, knocking Lady Braddock's hat to the ground. The women then took up swords, and Lady Braddock got her revenge by wounding her opponent in the arm. The petticoat duel, as it came to be known, ended without further incident when Mrs. Elphinstone agreed to write a letter of apology. Wow. I was going to say at first, I was like, I don't like the ladies intruded on our show here, but that was pretty awesome. My point here... What's better? Some sad sack saying, duels are dumb, duels are lame, and then getting killed in a duel, or surendering with a letter of apology. That's that's embarrassing. That's. But she that like got her hat knocked off with a bullet and then got stabbed in the arm with a sword. I'm sure she was like, mm. okay, I'll write you a letter. <laughs> but with Hamilton, it was kind of like romantic because he died in the same spot as his uh, son. That's a good point. That's a good point. And in the same way, because I think his son was defending his father's honor, so like taking on an unnecessary battle and then suffering the worst end of it. So they kind of died in the same way, in the same spot. It's very kismet. So tragedy versus comedy. I like that there was multiple weapons in the second option. Right. (laughs) Excellent point. Multiple weapons. I'm I'm hung up on the letter, but I, here's how it's going to work. I mean, you guys decide where your vote lies, and I'm the tiebreaker if one is necessary. Uh, I'm going I'm going with the ladies to, on this one. I uh, I'm going to go with with Hamilton and Burr because there's not only the duel itself, but the surrounding story is almost better. Yeah, yeah, I would say that Hamilton probably should win out because of the um, exposition, whereas the ladies are just like. A simple misunderstanding or a simple insult led them into a field, which is <laughs> which is hilarious, but it doesn't have the same, uh, you know, extras. Okay, so Hamilton moves on. Your new challenger, considered the preeminent Japanese swordsman of their time, arch rivals Miyamoto Musashi and Sasaki Kohiro met on the remote shores of Ganryu Island to settle their differences once and for all. According to legend, Musashi showed up several hours late to psych out his opponent, bearing a giant wooden sword he had fashioned from the oar of a boat. Kohiro attacked the tardy samurai with his signature swallow-cut move, Hmm. but before his blade was lowered, Musashi dealt him a fatal blow. Pursued by the furious Kohiro supporters, who considered his delayed arrival unfair, Musashi hopped back into his boat and rowed to safety. Later in life, Musashi would become an acclaimed painter. The, Obviously, Musashi is uh, one of the greatest stories in uh, in human history. Right. And so, he whittled a sword on the way to the duel to beat the guy. Obviously, Musashi's got to be the winner. 
and the guy fought him with a regular sword? Yeah, the, the other guy had a regular sword. So what were these supporters so pissed off about? If the unfair advantage of him arriving late was part of the deal, then obviously that's a balanced out by him having a fucking wooden sword. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just left that he just punked him. He just came yeah. up on the beach and just punked him and then left. He's like, fuck you, you're not an adversary. See yeah, ya. nobody really was. He, he also fought many people at the same time. It's like, oh, did we say 10 o'clock? Actually, wait, no, this is like ancient times. So he'd be like, wait, did we say when the sun was over the mountain? Depends which mountain. All right. So does Hamilton move on or does this uh, strange Japanese on the duel on the beach? The punking thing is so good. It makes me wish that Aaron Burr didn't then go on to be like an epic piece of of shit. Because it would have been great if he was like, oh, you don't like dueling? And then just shoots the guy. But... (laughs) I do like the punking. Mm-hmm. And he goes on to become a painter. <laughs> well, I think Andrew has uh, a deeper understanding of Musashi's history here. I, I've, re- I've read the book. Uh, <laughs> both both the one that Musashi himself wrote, The Book of Five Rings, and the book that is about his life. And uh, I also have the Criterion movies mm. that end with that battle. Mm. Well, the that... three, uh, there's a trilogy samurai trilogy well yeah. that that upset me daniel uh which way are you going uh i don't know is he done gushing yet <laughs> um no i kind of knew that he was probably partial to this one i don't know it's a coin flip for me mm. where are you going i guess we already know intern's decision i mm. appreciate the history of uh hamilton but i'm i'm loving this punk the punk move is fantastic <laughs> all right take it okay all right gentlemen uh, the next contender is uh, Edward Manet and Edmund Durante. Okay. So in February of 1870, the French painter Edward Manet flew into a fit of rage after reading a single dispassionate sentence about two of his works penned by his longtime friend, the critic Edmund Durante. The artist stormed into Café Gerbois. <laughs> <laughs> yes. He stormed into Café Gerbois and slapped Durante in the face and challenged him to a sword duel. According to there we Google. go. I was like, I thought all duels were preempted by an open hand slap to the face. <laughs> this has that quality. According to police reports, the men faced each other on February 23rd in the forest of St. Germain, with the famous writer Emile Zola attending Manet as his second. The adversary's swords allegedly struck only once, but with such force that both blades buckled. When Durante sustained a minor wound, Manet declared his honor sufficiently defended, and before long, the two Parisians had patched up their relationship and were once again sharing meals at Café Gerbois. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then oh. quickly sharing breakfast together <laughs> in bed. It, you could see this. You could see both their swords buckling mm-hmm. and then them like pulling each other in close and then just straight into making out. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing manly about this. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you hurt? Did I get you? Oh, let's let's go have a biscuit. <laughs> yep. Yeah. No. I think the uh, the samurais continue. And you know, like the tiny scratch he got from the the buckled sword or whatever. He was like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, we're moving on to our final duel to see who will become dual champion for tonight's themed episode. Uh, this is between Andrew Jackson and Charles Dickinson. Yeah, I was, I was waiting for this one. More than two decades before he became the seventh president of the United States, Andrew Jackson faced off against Charles Dickinson, a lawyer 
regarded as one of the best shots in the area in Logan, Kentucky. The proud and volatile Jackson, a former senator and representative of Tennessee, called for the duel after Dickinson described his wife, Rachel, as a bigamist, referring to a legal error in her 1791 divorce from her first husband. On May 30th, 1806, the two men met with pistols in hand, standing 24 feet apart in accordance with dueling custom. After the signal, Dickinson fired first, grazing Jackson's breastbone and breaking some of his ribs. Jackson, a former Tennessee militia leader, maintained his stance and fired back, fatally wounding his opponent. It was one of several duels Jackson was said to have participated in during his lifetime, the majority of which were allegedly in defense of Rachel's honor. (laughs) Why do people hate his wife? The point is that he protected the honor of his lady. This gentleman is a gentleman. Yes. A dueling gentleman that became a fucking president. No, this is a, this is a good this is this is a good one. I was waiting for Andrew Jackson because Andrew Jackson was most definitely the like uh Donald Trump of the early 1800s. <clears throat> he was super brash. He got into fights with like everybody. He was not politically correct at all or couth in office. He got into duels all the fucking time. Got shot a lot. Um always defending his wife's honor, but also always defending the country's honor and his state's honor as well. So like it wouldn't, didn't take much. You could have been like, Tennessee's a fucking joke. And you freak out. (laughs) Duel? (laughs) Duel? That's funny. Um, Intern, are you on board here with Andrew Jackson? What? No way. I'm uh, I'm the Japanese contingent here. He's he's Moishihara all the way. Well, you've been overridden. Miyamoto Musashi. Musashi. You're over. He, he would have been shot by Andrew Jackson for sure. <laughs> Maybe they would have had a respect for each other. Maybe you're you're being overridden, Andrew. The winner is Andrew Jackson. Yeah. Okay. Well, at least another Andrew took it. Mm-hmm. Oh. Oh. Now, now you want to be affiliated with him after choosing the other direction? <laughs> Not really. Fucking believable. I've got I've got way more swords than guns in my house. Okay. All right, gentlemen. We have one more duel to deal with and that is a uh, introducing the trailer park podcast duel for the actual best lineup ever often we boast about lineups being the best that have ever happened we're going to find out which one is the best lineup ever single elimination style each episode moving forward in time so the well, first of course, the winner is always just the most recent episode <laughs> <laughs> well we're going to find out because trailer park podcast one and trailer park podcast two are the first contenders and it was edge of tomorrow a Most Wanted Man, Oculus, Neighbors, and The Giver. In Trailer Park Podcast 2 was X-Men Days of Future Past, Joe starring Nicolas Cage, The Quiet Ones, Breathe In starring Guy Pierce, and Gone Girl with Ben Affleck. So really it's Edge of Tomorrow versus Gone Girl. Well, I don't know how you want to do it. I mean, if, if you say Oculus versus The Quiet Ones, Oculus is critically a much better horror film. Oh, they're both horrible. Breathe uh, In. Breathe In was much better than uh, Neighbors. I have a I have a appreciation for parts of Oculus that I did not think I would have going into it. Yeah. And X Men Days of Future Past was directed by Brian Singer. Yeah, but Nicholas Cage is in Joe. <laughs> yeah, that is a winner. What was the Days of Future Past? I like that one. Um Gone Girl. It might be two. Really? You guys can override me. My vote is number one. Uh my vote is number two. Shit. Okay. Well, that is settled. That means the most recent episode is always the best one. We've been right this whole time. Of course we have. <laughs> uh, this segment will be conducted by the intern moving forward. You could uh, literally jump pretty far down, hmm. I think, with this next episode being better. Because at the beginning, it was a little... Uh, Go ahead. No, say what you want to say. Say what you really want to say. 
I think the curation was not as at the quality that it is right now. Mm. Yeah. Now Nathan like picks trailers, you know, he pickles them in brine and puts them in the fridge, lets them marinate. Sad sack deliberates. Although we didn't have the designated spots, the headliner, the teeter, the fulcrum, the totter and the five hole. Right. Well, there's always been the fulcrum. Yeah. The fulcrum has been there from the beginning. That's true. And headliner. It's true. It's all true. But yes, okay, so, so far, it would be quite funny, though, if like every single episode would just kept moving forward to the next mm-hmm. lineup. That'd be fantastic. Daniel, there are some really important questions that Nathan needs to ask you. <laughs> it is a night for men. Men making decisions, men answering questions. Gentlemen, we have some needed uh, answers. We have some answers. questions that require answers from you gentlemen tonight. Gentlemen, is a hot dog a sandwich? No. Oh, it's time. <laughs> it's time. This has gone unquestioned for too long. <clears throat> Intern says no. Saying, saying that, I do prefer to have a hot dog on a piece of bread. Hmm. I don't mind doing that. I feel totally poor when I do. Is I it? Just, uh, I prefer the inside of uh, bread as opposed to the outside. Oh, right. There's a the... lot of crust on hot dog buns. Right. You just need some some better buns. But don't we all? I think, is it important to distinguish here? Is it that, yes, a hamburger is a sandwich, but a hot dog is a wrap? Oh, a hamburger is not a sandwich either. A hamburger... Mm. Crown, heel, crown, heel, meat in the middle, sandwich. I think a hot dog might be a wrap. <laughs> I I think I would say that a wrap is more like a sandwich yeah. than a hot dog. Do you, guys, do you want me to bring up the submarine sandwich or the hoagie? Yeah, that's a sandwich. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I would, a submarine sandwich is a bread, piece of bread that's cut exactly like a hot dog bun is. Put shit in it, it's a sandwich. How come a hot dog isn't a sandwich? Yeah, but um, we changed just, that game in the late 90s. Don't bring up the U-Gouge because they don't do the U-Gouge anymore. <laughs> they do They do the simple cut now. They do the hot dog bun continue. cut. Yes, a hot they, dog is a sandwich and or possibly a wrap. In turn, you're wrong. Okay. <laughs> and I think a hamburger is too. I think this is one of those like a square is always a rectangle, but a rectangle is not always a square. There you go. That's an excellent analogy. Thank you, Daniel. That this insight. is the most fucked up thing I've heard Gentlemen, my entire life. Gentlemen, which sport would be the funniest to add a mandatory amount of alcohol to? Javelin. <laughs> <laughs> Figure skating. <laughs> but then it would just be sloppy. See, because I gave, I gave a lot of thought to this question. And when you apply it to main sports or regular sports, it's just a sloppy mess that's not entertaining. What would actually be entertaining? And javelin, I didn't think about that one, but that would be that would be entertaining. I think the sweet spot is is track and field. A bunch of drunks running, hurdles. Well, uh, uh, there's a Canadian that does the uh, the drinking mile, and uh, he does that better than everyone else, apparently. I, th- I think you have to after every lap, you chug a beer. Oh, <laughs> like, and you have to finish the beer. Before you get to the next, like you have a short distance, so it's really like shotgun a beer. It might improve curling. Mm. I don't know. I think uh, doubles curling is actually exciting. Okay, well then it's javelin, or yes, like Daniel saying, shot put or discus. 
Yeah. Any any throwing? Specifically the field portion of track and field. Yeah. yeah. The shot put would especially be great. You yeah. see like a guy just lurch the ball into his own face. <laughs> All right. What would be the creepiest thing you could say while passing a stranger on the street? Oh, it's done. <laughs> <laughs> what? What's done? What? I'm already gone. <laughs> I know where uh, you live. How about uh, if you walked up to a stranger and looked them straight in the eye and then said, my fly's undone. And then when they look down, your dick is just out and you're just a regular <laughs> flashing. Just like masturbating already. <laughs> I want you inside me. <laughs> uh, all right. If you were transported 100 years into the past with no clothes or anything else, how would you prove that you were from the future? Like, 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 like if you landed in some obscure spot where you can't really be like, I can tell the future. <laughs> I promise in three years this is going to happen. Yeah, but uh, the question is, do you get thrown in jail and dismissed before any of your predictions can come true? See, that, this is where I think I would play it safer or smarter than like most movies that take this on as a, as a plot uh, point. Because they always like land and immediately start running around frantically telling everyone that they're from the future mm. and it just freaks everybody out. I think I would lay low for quite a while until I found someone maybe that I trusted a little bit mm-hmm. and then just slowly lure them in by like speaking to things that are obviously not of their era. That's my answer. My answer is that plus why do you need to prove you're from the future? Why don't you just advantage. why don't you just keep it under wraps? Place a few think- bets. People would know right away. I mean, the luckiest man. I, sh- I shave. Valley. I shave. Uh, I shave in the nether regions. So if I showed up back there, they'd be like, "Why the fuck is this baby man? <laughs> this man's genitals are bald." Yeah. <laughs> Duel. <laughs> Duel. Wait, no, I'm from the future. This is what happens in the future. Duel, then jail. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, are you? Do you feel sufficiently um, uh, ready? Do you feel uh, sufficiently jacked up to engage tonight's thematic lineup regarding duels? Yeah, I feel like. Okay, so you would like to step into the trailer viewing room is what you're saying to me. Uh, Yes. You're saying that you want to get into this machine and be transported into the trailer viewing area. I want to go inside something with you. I don't care what it is. (laughs) (laughs) All right, gentlemen, here we go. I was afraid I couldn't live up to these expectations. Phenomenal. Why are you breaking my balls? Well, I got a weird one for you. Her name is Hannah Grace, and her family was performing an exorcism or something on her. Why are you breaking my balls? Did you just look at me? Look at me! How dare you! Close your eyes! Why are you breaking my balls? You were a crusader. Why are you breaking my balls? <laughs> <laughs> Our headliner tonight, uh, USA versus Russia, Adonis Creed versus Ivan Drago's son, the ultimate battle and duel in Creed 2. Creed 2. Also, Rocky 8. <laughs> hey, why are you breaking my balls? 
<laughs> All right, Creed 2. Here we go. We got this. You hear me? In the ring, you got rules. Outside, we got nothing. Life hits you with all these cheap shots. People like me, we live in the past. You got people that need you now. You got everything to lose. This guy's got nothing to lose. I ain't got a choice. That's the same thing your father said, and he died right here in my hands. Listen to me, this guy is dangerous. But you don't think I could beat him? excited well i guess it comes down to whether or not you like rocky movies or not and or how much you enjoyed rocky four <clears throat> right those... you can get the rocky four creed bridge right well isn't rocky four like the best one well, to me to me yeah to me too <laughs> yeah <laughs> So it's uh, all of us. It has like, well, yeah, I know, but it's not to other people. Like other people are like Rocky One is the best, or right, like Amanda. Amanda's a true Rocky franchise fan, like yeah. a hardcore one. Yeah, I know. I think they're all garbage except for well, Rocky Four has some fucking silly, ridiculous shit going on. Oh yeah, it is probably the cheesiest of all. Training Rockies. in the mountains. Training in the mountains. Screaming his name on the top of a mountain top. Mm-hmm. Here, if, let me. Let me see uh, if I, I can, wish I remember the speech that he gives. Here, let me. Let me. They're just glistening, blonde, beautiful <laughs> machines. I'll. I'll try and do a rendition here for you, uh, Andrew. Uh, I noticed some of you started cheering for me, and I started to change how I felt about you. And I thought if you could change, and I could change, and maybe everybody could change. <laughs> Yeah, that one. <laughs> That's the best. The movie fucking oh, starts. So it starts with an American boxing glove and a Russian boxing glove like colliding into each other and exploding. <laughs> oh, and then he, he climbs up to the top of that fucking mountain and just screams his name. <laughs> Dragon! 
Oh, man, it is so cheesy, but it's so deliciously cheesy. I mean, they kill Apollo Creed. He fucking kills him in the goddamn ring. If he dies, he dies. Boom. Kills him. <clears throat> yeah. That's also the one where, where Rocky's like shitty brother-in-law has like a robot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he reprograms it to be a female voice and be all slutty and shit. Yeah, so weird. Yeah, there's tons of shit. It's so, yeah. Yeah, I don't know what to say, guys. I am, uh, I, I love the Rocky Four nostalgia, so I'm definitely excited about Creed 2 in a way that I wasn't excited about Creed 1. Creed, <laughs> Creed 1, I had this whole like, okay, is this an extension of the Rocky franchise or is this a new franchise that is just somehow connected to Rocky? And can that even happen? Can you have two franchises that are separate yet connected? And I don't care. I just want to see... Um, a continuation of this bullshit Rocky Four nostalgia. Is Dolph going to show up? He is. Yeah, he's in it. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, it's it's his son, and he's training him. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Intern? Go ahead, intern. Um, so my thoughts on this are, <laughs> is, it, is it surprising to you that I want to watch Tessa Thompson and more things, but... The majority of things I've seen her in, I don't like the finished product, but I like what she does as an actress. She's got good intensity. Um, but I didn't like I didn't like the first Creed. I didn't like Thor Ragnarok. Hmm. I like Westworld and I liked Annihilation. So she's like fifty percent for me right now. Hmm. So what a weird fifty percent. Um Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. What about Michael B. Jordan? He's come a long way since that sniveling Wallace character in The Wire. Uh, I wish that they just continued making The Wire and he was an ongoing character in that. I also don't really care about, uh, I don't know. Here, let me. Everyone let me, made a big deal about Black me, Panther and Creed, and I don't like Creed. Okay. I don't care about Rocky. Well, I don't I don't like uh, Sylvester Stallone getting nominated for an Oscar for any of this. That's what I think is ridiculous. But I've almost like I've it took me a long time, but I think I'm I'm ready to just give the Oscars the the full on finger. Uh I'm definitely not ready for that. Uh saying that this is Creed and I have no reason to be excited. Uh like the majority of headliners, I'm worried. <laughs> wow. Um I don't think Amanda would let me get away with saying that I was worried about this. Oh, you'll you'll be watching it because I'm yeah I'm pretty sure that I'll be watching it. Although I somehow maybe it was the timing. I don't know. I I didn't see Creed, hmm. and she definitely did. Um, and I have the same thing. I have an attachment to four. I'm pretty sure I've seen all the Rockies, not Balboa. Didn't I didn't see six. Um, but there is. I'll, I'll I'll say this. It is shocking to me that this is technically part eight of the Rocky franchise. Although I guess you could say that it's a spin-off franchise from Rocky now, now that it's got its own numbered sequel. Uh, the um, Rocky universe. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. In the greater Rocky universe. Um, it's amazing. And it's still just ro- revolving around a, a, a singular climatic boxing match. And somehow they still make it seem really exciting. <laughs> Like that trailer is pretty pumped. You're like, holy shit, Michael B. Jordan is like twice the size he normally is. Uh, all the, the weird, like good. silly connections to the previous movies. Dolph trading his son. They're just literally passing. They're just trying to, whatever they can do to keep a connection to keep making more of these. You see the trick behind the curtain, but somehow they still manage to make it flashy and attractive. So 
I don't know. I didn't see Creed. I don't have a big attachment to it. And I'm going to give it an excited, even though I'm not as excited as that implies. But sure. Okay. Yeah. No, it's fair. It's fair. I think we broke that down perfectly. Um, except, you know, in turn, maybe you could uh, bring up the energy for trailer two. Okay. Oh, I will. I will. Trailer number two is uh, starring Emma Stone and Rachel Weiss, And it is the favorite. The favorite. Here we go. Dearest Queen, you are mad. Giving me a palace. It is a monstrous extravagance, Mrs. Molly. We are at war. We won! Oh, it is not over. We must continue. Oh. Oh, I did not know that. The Queen is an extraordinary person. They were all staring, weren't they? I can tell even if I can't see. And I heard the word fat. Fat. And, and ugly. No one but me would dare, and I did not. She's been stalked by tragedy. Everyone leaves me. Dies. I apologize for my appearance. I hoped I might be employed here by you as something. A monster for the children to play with, perhaps. It is important to make new friends in court, is it not? You're so beautiful. Stop it. You mock me. I were a man, I would ravish you. <laughs> you have become close to Abigail. She is a viper. You're jealous. You must send Abigail away. I do not want to. Let's shoot something. <gasps> Sometimes it is hard to remember whether you have loaded the pellet or not. I must take control of my circumstance. Throw! I'm on my side. Always. Favor is a breeze that shifts direction all the time. Then, in an instant, you're back sleeping with a bunch of scabrous whores. As it turns out, I am capable of much unpleasantness. <laughs> Did you just look at me? Look at me! How dare you! Close your eyes! I could not just stand by and let you destroy me. <laughs> you are enjoying all of this, aren't you? <laughs> oh, it is fun to be queen sometimes. If you do not go, I will start kicking you. And I will not stop. My dear friend, how good to see you've returned from hell. I'm sure you shall pass through it one day. Intern, worried or excited? Uh, I expect that this will be my favorite trailer tonight. Um... We may as well start with the director, Yergos Lanthimos, who did uh, Killing of a Sacred Deer and The Lobster, which I really enjoyed both of those movies. Yergos yeah, um, Lanthimos. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to all three of his movies joining the Criterion Collection someday. Oh, Criterion, hmm. Yergos Lanthimos. Yeah. Now, um, as a collector intern, would it be more important to you that they each had their own individual box and appreciation or all of them together in a trilogy set? Uh, I think they should do both, and I would buy both. Oh, Jesus. Um, <laughs> with this, uh, Emma Stone's great. I don't care what anyone says. Who's saying she's not? Uh, well, you were giving her a lot of shit for La La Land. Oh, no, I was giving uh, La La Land shit. I didn't give her specifically uh, shit. 
Her acting chops in La La Land was... Uh, it wasn't a challenging role. It was special. No. She it was not a... Acted like she was upset. It was not a performance of any note. In an acting situation, and then someone came in and interrupted her, and then she had to be annoyed, and then she had to refocus and act while acting, while acting. Why do you surrender? Oh my god, it's mind-melding. Why do you surrender to such pretentious garbage? Ah, oh, because I love it. Uh, this looks hilarious. It looks so funny. I think I'm going to laugh for two hours. Yeah. Uh, you know, that kind of humor. You know, Yorgos didn't uh, write this first time. That's fine. Uh, that means they're probably going to talk normally. That's true. Might, <laughs> might be, a, might be a, nor, a more normal pace. Yeah. Yes. Can't say the dialogue was natural in Killing of a Sacred Deer. No. Yeah, it, and it's the same in The Lobster. They're, yeah. It's like identical. Yeah, it's got a weird, like, unique... So, stunted conversation kind of like mammoth where you're like what the how the fuck and then like 30 minutes later you're just like kind of into it and you don't care anymore it's like so proper and detached but willing to go instantly debaucherous in a moment's notice so blah blah you're going to i'm excited go ahead i'm i'm very excited (laughs) (laughs) okay intern i will join you in the excited camp um because yeah this looks fun i saw a trailer for it at some movie that i saw recently the theater i can't remember um Emma Stone, I think, is more attractive without makeup than with. She looks less like a startled fish and more like a got some balls actress. Um, love Rachel Weiss as well. And whoever the lady is that's playing the queen or the royalty character uh, is hilarious. That scene of her yelling at the kid to look at her and then yelling at him for looking at her. Yeah, that was pretty funny. Olivia that's Coleman. Pretty- I think she's yeah. I think she's a uh, Phoebe in Frasier. I think she's Frasier's agent. What? Is that her? I think so. I thought that chick was like six foot five. I don't know. I think it is. But um, She's definitely in that um, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson uh, Phantom Thread. She's great in Phantom Thread, too. She's a very, you know, uh, self-important hoity-toity. <laughs> yeah. He makes a dress for her, goes to an event with her. She gets drunk and acts oh, like an idiot, geez. and he takes the dress back and like takes it <laughs> off of her and <laughs> walks out with it because he's so pretentious. Anyway, continue. Sorry to interrupt. That's great. Yeah. Um, she, the movie looks like it's going to be pretty funny. I don't think it's going to be like raucous laughter wall to wall. I bet there's a little bit of weird pacing to add to all the weird atmosphere that, that they build up, I'm sure. But it all looks like it's a fun little adventure. And then it also has that element of uh, like War of the Roses and other dueling mm-hmm. type movies Thank where there's, their hatred builds and builds until it hits ridiculous levels. Thank you for bringing up the dual aspect. Yes, this is a pissing contest between two ladies. Mm-hmm. It's true. Yeah, it looks fun. I want to see him take it to the end. I'm sure it's going to get um, outrageous. Excited. I'm also excited. Um, I think that this director is interesting, although I'm not, uh, you know, bending over and let him letting him rape me or anything like that because he's, you know, st- the jury's out. Let's see how he does with this. If it was that way, he'd like bend and turn over and be like, "Intern, are you?" Are you ready for the injection of my penile member into your anus? <laughs> I am ready. You're allowed to enjoy Thank it. You. I'd like to bring up something. Um, I am especially excited about this movie because of the way that the word favorite is spelled in the title. Oh, I didn't notice. Well, F-A- it's spelled the way the English spell it. V-U-O-U-R-I-T-E. That is the correct Spelling of the word favorite, therefore I am doubly excited to see that not only does it look good, not only does it have the duel, the pissing contest, because I find that pissing contests and duels 
are actually and they they tend to make great movies because it's a simple concept it's focused on one tense relationship and the rest of it is just fill in and color and flavor and it's it's easy to execute well so the probability of it being good is great and i'm excited and it also hit um a lot of film festivals and actually already has a rotten tomato rating it is 95 percent gentlemen we can see quality when we, we we can recognize quality fantastic indeed the fulcrum tonight is called the possession of hannah grace took me to like halfway through that bumper music to recognize that you said possession of a person's name and not of like a one word Irish town. <laughs> possession of Hannah Grace. <laughs> of, you have to go up, start up high and move down low. Move down low. Possession of Hannah Grace. Possession of Hannah Grace. Possession of Hannah Grace. Here we go. This job is not for everyone. Because of the hours? Because the only co-workers are cadavers. I heard there were issues. Yes, there were issues. But I'm much better now. Welcome to the team. You're the new girl. Megan. Well, I got a weird one for you. Her name is Hannah Grace. And her family was performing an exorcism or something on her. Something went wrong. And she died in the middle of it. You know what they say. If an exorcism isn't completed, evil will find a new vessel. I believe when you die, you die. End of story. Then you're up for it? I can handle it. When you die, you die. When you die, you die. You've got to focus. Just breathe. When you die, you die. When you die, you die. When you die. Okay, Daniel, worried or excited? A lot of unnatural human movement in this one. There is, yeah. There's a whole, there's a whole bunch of that. Uh, can I say I, I kind of want to see it, but I'm worried. I can't. I don't think I can justify carrying myself across that threshold into excited because I'm generally, as a rule of thumb, just not excited at all about 
possession movies just because I don't know. It's it's been topped. There's no one's going to unseat The Exorcist, so it always just sort of seems like uh, who's going to get second place. Hmm. And I don't think this is, but here's why I say worry, but I want to see it. <clears throat> it doesn't have any actors that I recognize in it. So if you're going to do a schlocky thing like this uh, and totally abuse and overuse the malformed and contorted movement thing, then it's good to have a bunch of no names because then you can, you can just do whatever you want with them. You can run them to the ringer. Uh, and I feel like this movie sh- has a tinge on it that makes it seem like it might try to build some atmosphere and maybe even get away with it. Who, who directs this? Is there anyone we know? Hmm. One moment. Because if it's a director that we don't know, there's a good chance that a director we don't know with a bunch of actors we don't know can stumble into some interesting shit because they just don't know the rules. His name, uh, his name is Diedrich Van Ruschen. Sure. He's well known. He's he is well, well known. You know him, right? Yeah. I'm a big fan. Yeah. Uh, yeah. These, these combinations of shit, because it doesn't look like it's that low budget, but it, and it's trying, at least the trailer is trying to keep it a little bit tame. So with all the no names and a little bit of money and just not knowing what the rules are or how to properly format like a production day, I feel like this might stumble accidentally into some cool scenes. He's, um, he's Dutch. Okay, a Dutch horror director. Mm-hmm. That's kind of exactly what I'm looking for in this uh, scenario that I'm that I'm trying to create. Um, and there's also one hour, twenty five minutes. The other reason I can't justify it is because it's like a kind of an inside joke in the horror world that possession of blank, haunting of blank, are automatic garbage. <laughs> <laughs> so like the haunting of jane werther or you know like all those straight to dvd films that are trying to capitalize on the exorcism of of emily rose which is trying to capitalize on the exorcist so it's just like this faded diluted copy of a copy of a copy whenever they're named like this so this is uh but i feel like something is in there so i can't give it an excited because it would probably backfire in my face if i did something that that brave but i kind of want to see it worried okay i'm stepping in i think that maybe what's going on here is that this Dutch director and maybe his team of guys are going to do all the effects really well. And that's kind of the part of the trailer that might be speaking to me, is that the contorted, unnatural body movement, the possession scene on the bed, like it all looks pretty decent. My like problem... Real, like tangible, you mean? Yeah. Not a computer. Right, yeah, practical. And, I mean, that's all fine and great, but I, I'm concerned about... Their ability, I know it's only an hour and 25 minutes, but their ability to make a story interesting uh, with just her and the cadaver uh, interacting with each other in the basement of a morgue. I don't know what can happen there. Like what, what kind of, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of at a loss as to where they can take it or what they can do with it. I mean, does she ultimately get possessed? That's the only way to go, really, is, you know, everybody knows. I didn't know. Everybody that. knows, Nathan. <laughs> I didn't know that. I'm like, when he said that, I was like, what? Who knows that? <laughs> Everybody knows that, uh, you know, possessions that end in death and don't work out, the demon still wants to transfer bodies. I'm like, you mean like Azazel and Fallen? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it does. That does happen. Like, that's what happens in The Exorcist, too. He, like, pulls the demon out into himself, but mm. he then kills himself. By this logic, that means that The Exorcist, he just, whatever demon was in there, Pazuzu just floated out at the bottom of the stairs and was like, oh, how about you, detective? I'll suck into you. And the other tidbit they give you at the very beginning of the trailer is there were issues before. Like, we've hired you to handle this morgue. There were issues before. 
but the issues are over. What kind of issues are we talking about? Yeah. So that's obviously going to be an element. Are they going to burn about 20 minutes getting to the meat of this matter? And then how long does it take for her to take over? And does she leave the morgue and start to do things as a possessed individual? I think I might be talking myself into, uh, you know, a borderline worried. I was going to be full on worried, but now I'm borderline worried. There might be something here. I don't know if I'll watch it. I'm worried. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So with 170 reviews... It's got an 8.3 on IMDb. Yeah, people who have seen it? It's impossible. It, it's uh, 125 minutes. That's very that's very watchable. Hour and 25. An hour and 25 minutes is very watchable. You're this, in, you're... just so you guys know, if you die, you die. And uh, Unless you're possessed. The possession films, I would say they need to die, but you know what happens when possession goes wrong. Right. Well, I think we can all agree that Hannah Grace is dead, right? I guess. Uh, well, <laughs> once the once the demon jumps into the new girl. Also, the new girl, if, if if you were a fan of Pretty Little Liars, you would recognize her. She's apparently a one of the main actresses from Pretty Little Liars. Mm. I I'm pretty worried about this. Uh, thanks, but no thanks. Okay, we got a thanks but no thanks and a bunch of humming and hawing. For the fulcrum tonight, you know what didn't make it? It was going to be the Clove Hitch Killer. But then I was like, you know what? This is a drama movie with a horror garnish. And Daniel's going to light me up about, over that. So I can't do that. <laughs> mm-hmm. That uh, I probably would have presented that argument. Yeah. But I would also say that it would it would have to make that argument after the fact. Because it would all bend on uh, McDermott's performance. Yeah. Yeah. He looks good in it, though. It looks like it could be okay. Same kind of feeling as this, I guess, in the end. This one at least had some, you know, more gory, uh, unnatural human movement elements, like some actual horror elements. The other one didn't. It was just like dramatic tension between the son and the father. So don't really know. (coughs) Trailer number four brings you yet another duel. This is a special duel, though. Uh, This is a duel between racism and stereotypes. We have Green Book. Green Book. Here we go. Yeah, some guy called over here, a doctor. He's looking for a driver. You interested? I am not a medical doctor. I'm a musician. I'm about to embark on a concert tour in the Deep South. What other experience do you have? Public relations. Do you foresee any issues in working for a black man? You and the Deep South? There's going to be problems. Promise me you're going to write me a letter. No Tell me that don't smell good. I've never had fried chicken in my life. You people love the fried chicken. You have a very narrow assessment of me, Tony. Yeah, right? I'm good. I'm the way I know. We'll be interacting with some of the wealthiest people in the country. It is my feeling that your addiction Oof. could use some finessing. Why you break my balls? Because you can do better, Mr. Balawanka. Dolores. I saw Dr. Shirley play the piano. He's like a genius, I think. Come on, take it easy. I prefer not to get grease on my blanket. Ooh, I'm gonna get grease on my blanket. This gentleman says that I'm not permitted to dine here. I'm afraid not. How does he smile and shake their hands like that? Because it takes courage to change people's hearts. 
What are you doing? A letter. May I? Dear Dolores, sometimes you remind me of a house. You know this is pathetic, right? Put this down. The distance between us is breaking my spirit. Falling in love with you was the easiest thing I have ever done. P.S. Kiss the kids. That's like clinging a cowbell at the end of Shostakovich is seven. And that's good. It's perfect, Tony. Come on, get out now. You never win with violence. You only win when you maintain your dignity. You don't know your own people. You, Mr. Big Shot, doing concerts for rich people. So if I'm not black enough, and if I'm not white enough, then tell me, Tony, what am I? Anyone can sound like Beethoven. For your music, what you do, only you can do that. What do we do about the bones? We do this. <laughs> Pick it up, Tony. Squirrels would eat it anyway. Pick it up. Nathan, worried or excited? Okay, so a few things to talk about with this movie. Um, given the current uh, climate uh, in the world, uh, specifically in the United States, and all the racial tension and nonsense going on, I think this is going to win Oscars. Or at least it would have before Viggo Mortensen dropped the N-word at a screening. <laughs> oh, God, really? <laughs> yeah, he was using it in the context of like how it was freely used in the past, and he just whipped it out, and everybody was like, ah! Ah! N-word! And he's like, no, I literally just disclaimered it by saying this is how they spoke back then. Everyone's like. <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly what happened. They uh, they all freaked out and he, you know, said what he said. And then Mahershala, Mahershala Ali was like, he accepted his apology and all this nonsense. So, oh, God. Yeah, there you go. Uh, the title and subject matter are a reference to the Negro Motorist Green Book, also known as the Negro Traveler's Green Book. <clears throat> yeah. It helped African-American travelers find lodging, restaurants, and other businesses that would serve them. It eventually covered most of North America, plus Bermuda and the Caribbean. This is the first dramatic film directed by the Farrelly brothers. <laughs> what? <laughs> I think it's just one of the Farrelly brothers, but... Yeah, Peter. Yeah. So, hey, if you like Dumb and Dumber and Stuck on Me... <laughs> I do, though. <laughs> Yeah, right. I don't know. I, I, it's a simple story. It's going to be two guys. They're very stereotyped people. Like a, uh, like it's, it's. Uh, they're using like a hardcore Italian stereotype um, with Vigo there to address uh, racism in a period piece. And I don't know. It, uh, it looks like there might be substance in this film, and it might have fun with it along the way. And it might be worthy of my attention and, uh, what is it, two hours and ten minutes of my time. So I will say I am excited about Green Book. I just want to uh, call you out and say that, uh, what, did you say this is the first drama directed by them or first movie directed by them? First dramatic first. film. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess. I'm reading an IMDb trivia talking point, so... You'd be calling out the IMDb trivia entry. No, that makes sense. I just didn't hear drama when you said that. Okay. Uh, well, good. Maybe, maybe you should focus on giving your opinion of the trailer and how you feel about it instead of trying to call out another gentleman. Well, I, I thought that's what we were doing after this whole Vigo fiasco. 
Well, um, now, now that I think about it, I, I did attack you in the favorite. So I apologize um, for making fun of your pretentious uh, ways. And uh, I step back now and allow you to just express how you feel. I think that uh, what's going to happen here is the uh, Fairley brothers are going to end up in the Criterion Collection. And it's not going to be because of this movie. They'll get Shallow Hal in there. And uh, that'll be great. So this looks uh, like it's right up my alley. I'm going to enjoy the music. I'm going to enjoy the, uh, you know, the relationship between these two gentlemen. Mm. Vigo is going to become uh, educated. Mm. Yeah. And Mahershala is going to become more of a human being. Right. Yeah. He's going to dial it down with the hoity-toity culture. And uh, if he's not black enough and he's not white enough, then he's a zebra. But I guess the point is, if we can already tell, like maybe we shouldn't be excited, intern. Like we already know what this movie's going to be. We already know all the way to the end, probably. We we could predict exactly what this movie's going to be. So why watch it? Because um, I'm going to enjoy it. That's okay. why. All right. Okay. I'm looking forward to this two-hour, ten-minute drama <sighs> that says biography comedy drama. People's Choice Award at uh, the Toronto International Film Festival. A TIFF, yeah. yeah. I wonder how many minutes of standing ovation it got. Uh, Canada doesn't do that shit. Oh, right. That's just cans. Yeah. Oh, they like out, try to outdo each other. Everyone's like <laughs> sweating and applauding, looking around at each other. I will, nine, like, nine more minutes? Nine more minutes? <laughs> <laughs> I will just say, uh, the other weekend, I went to the Calgary Philharmonic Orchestra and I watched uh, the uh, uh, Verde Requiem and... Um, I just want to say that um, they come out for like three different encore applauses, mm, and nice. I was standing and clapping for what must have been at least at least four plus minutes. And all I could think was, "How the fuck could you do this for seven minutes?" <laughs> Unbelievable! Like I was, I my, like, my, my you hands, were never really here. Didn't deserve this. My hand. No, it wasn't that they didn't deserve clapping. Sure, they did. But I'm saying that I was like, my hands hurt. I felt uncomfortable. I was like, like the only reason why someone would continue clapping after two minutes is because everyone else around them is clapping and they feel compelled or they don't want to look like an asshole for sitting down. <laughs> so there you have it. Sorry, Daniel. Please. Um, <clears throat> I will admit that I did not know that was Viva Mortensen for a significant portion of that trailer. <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't recognize him until his name popped up, and I was like, "Oh shit!" Um, <laughs> he got fat. Yeah, he's a little, he's chubby. Looks, uh, I don't know, something about his face looks off too. But uh, yes, there's there the, the fact that this is directed by the Fairley Brothers that that kind of threw me for a loop, mostly because their comedic um, consistency is flip of a coin. It's either fucking hilarious or unwatchable garbage. So. <laughs> It's uh, let's really hope that that doesn't carry over into their dramatic venture because it does. It looks fun. It looks charming. It looks fun. Uh, wish it wasn't so long. I will say that even though it's sort of capitalizing on whatever racial tension is happening in the United States right now, which isn't even real, really, it's just in the news on a day to day basis. Everything's the same. So it's weird when shit tries to capitalize on that. Because it feels like you're just trying to look like, what are you doing? Are you trying to soften the divide or are you trying to increase the divide? Because sometimes it backfires. But this one doesn't look like it's that much that it goes that crazy about the whole thing. Although 
you know, the proper response when he's like, am I, if I'm not white enough and I'm not black enough, what am I? And that's when he reaches out and he says, you're an American. And they shake hands. And they cry in the rain. <laughs> and an American flag is draped around their shoulders. And then Rocky screams. But it, it does. It looks fun. It looks charming. Hopefully they don't uh, blow the stereotypes out too hard or leave it too one-sided because uh, I would like to see it and enjoy it. So I'm going to go ahead and give it excited. Uh, but what, why are you breaking my balls? Why are you breaking my balls? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Final trailer, Five Hole, is the uh, legendary duel, the Robin Hood versus Sheriff of Nottingham <clears throat> duel. What's it called? Just called Robin Hood? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they just called it Robin Hood. Robin Hood. <laughs> Here we go. There's been whispers. He's got our commoners looking up, seeing hope. If I may... I propose a bounty. A thousand a week until he's caught or killed. I've never seen anything like you. You stare death in the face. That's why I chose you. You're not curious? He's under the hood. He's obviously well trained. You clatter him, he's a smash and grabber, nothing more. Who do you think the thief is? He's all of us. So you're an admirer? He has his qualities. He's not you. Are you sure? You think Dan, you want to lead us off? Worried or excited? <clears throat> I'm surprised they didn't just call it Hood. That might have you know, been better. Keep it real sexy because that's what they're going for with this. Is uh, real fast and sexy. Just <laughs> funny because I, I kind of like I thought that that was what's going to happen going into this. I was like, watch, it's going to be like Millennial Robin Hood. He's going to have a bunch of fucking gadgets. Uh, he's not going to speak in the dialect of the time whatsoever, and it's going to be way over the top action, like fucking Robin Hood, like martial arts, and mm-hmm. <laughs> doing that intense MMA type, like boxing and shit on people. And you're like, this is like the 1400s, guys. Like it was literally just like spitting on people and slapping them. And if you recall, uh, in a previous episode of Trailer Park Podcast, when this movie was first announced, 
It was announced with the caveat that it was going to be the John Wick uh, yeah. of, of archery, that it was going to do for archery what John Wick did for guns. Yes, and we can see that in the final scene of the trailer where he pulls off two shots while he's twisting through the air. Yes, and speaking to that point, um, uh, Joe Rogan on his podcast has made many references to Lars Anderson of Denmark, crazy YouTube sensation archer. Mm-hmm. He was hired for this movie to teach them. So there, properly so there is... What's that? Sorry? How to properly speed shoot a bow. Yes. Yeah, I think they were trying to bring some authenticity to the to the uh, cool use of the archery, which it does look kind of cool. Hey, I'll say this. It's, it's fast. I'm glad that the Kingsman guy uh, turns out to be Robin Hood instead of the villain of the movie. Because I was like, if you're going to make him the villain of the movie, then he's got to have something more distinct than just the shaved-headed guy that's like, oh, I fucking hate Robin Hood. Um, so I'm glad that, that, he, that they revealed that and didn't even really bother to leave it mysterious so that you might go find out for yourself. Um, sexy women, there's explosions and fire all over the place, and everything looks way too anachronistic and bizarre. And uh, this movie is most likely going to be just a goofy pile of garbage. But <laughs> it, there, there may be some fun in there, and I'll let the movie prove itself to me and to the other way around. So I'm going to give it a worried. But Nathan mm. was... Was, was that Christian Grey? Is he the sheriff of Nottingham? No. No. Christian, oh. Christian Grey is in it, but Ben Mendelsohn is the sheriff of Nottingham. Okay, because first of all, no one's a better sheriff of Nottingham than... Uh, Alan Rickman. Uh, Alan Rickman. And, but I was going to say if Christian Grey was, was the sheriff, that, that, would, that would be beautiful. Like if him playing like a sniveling asshole. See, you brought up Prince of Thieves, so now I got to go there. Uh, Prince of Thieves... Hits me with nostalgia the same way that Rocky Four does. <laughs> I, I slow danced Prince in grade, I don't know what, probably grade eight. I slow danced to Everything I Do, I Do It For You by oh, Brian yeah. Adams Yeah, at the high school dance or the junior high dance. And they had like a video dance in the high, you know, what? it was a big deal at school dances when they, when they did a video one where they had the big <laughs> uh, screens. <laughs> And they had the music videos up there of Kevin Costner and Prince of Thieves scenes while Brian Adams and his band is sitting in an open like autumn leaf on the ground expanse <laughs> between trees. Everything I do, <laughs> do it for you. And you're like slow dancing. I think her name was Helen. There it is. There it Shout is. out to Helen. Shout out to Helen. Hey, uh, Robin Hood, Taron Edgerton. Jamie Foxx, Ben Mendelsohn, Jamie Dornan. Why not? Archery, ancient techniques of speed shooting from the draw hand and the double draw are used by Robin Hood in this movie. Ben Mendelsohn is going to be Sheriff of Nottingham. Why can't I say I'm excited? Why? What is stopping me from saying I'm excited? It looks goofy. Yes, there's something wrong. The release date got pushed back. There's something going on here. All the elements are there for a fun, crazy robin hood movie but i really liked the robin hood movie that russell crowe and uh yeah that was a good robin R- hood ridley also. scott did i i enjoyed that and it kind of flew under the radar and not a lot of people watched it or appreciated it i don't think and i really liked it and i really have nostalgia for robin hood prince of thieves so that's two that's two that this movie has to live up to it's not going to i'm worried fuck Ben Mendelsohn, Jesus, he's going to be a good sheriff. But you're right, Alan Rickman. Fuck, I'm worried. <laughs> you know, this is another one of those movies where it has the cast seems 
seems like the right cast. Uh, but what they did is uh, the same thing as World of Warcraft. This looks like a video game. It looks like the director was like, you know what I want to do? I want to make Robin Hood and I want to make it with the same graphics that they used for video games where it looks pretty close to being real, but not really. But he's diving slow motion out of a hallway and killing two people no. with, with his, his bow. His spinning around with that bow. That's a gun move. Is bullshit. It's crazy shit. First of all, I go and shoot my bow every week. You don't shoot a fucking bow. Yeah, I do. <laughs> this is ridiculous. <laughs> this is ridiculous. They found the one guy that's able to You're do all this me. like nonsense trick bow shit, and they hire him to teach Taron Edgerton how to spin around like a ballerina while shooting a bow and arrow. Oh, my God. It's painful. Lars Anderson Watch. can hit an incoming arrow in midair. Yes, I've seen I've seen the videos. Oh, it's you impressive. Have. Okay, well then his involvement in this movie should be getting an archer like yourself excited. No, <laughs> no. You know what I want to see is uh, Kevin Costner blow on someone's ear and the arrow go way off mark because that's what happens in real life. I want it to be real, and this is a fantasy story that it just went full fantasy. It's too Maybe unbelievable. Watched. Maybe you watched like so... Prince of Thieves first, and then and right after that watched Men in Tights. Mm. And then Men in Tights by... is so good. This oh. might fit squarely in the middle. So like three great Robin Hoods before this. This is going to be the biggest letdown. I think I think it could be entertaining to people, but this I just... could be negative scale, mm. really mm. hitting hard. So maybe CW. maybe it will be good for all the wrong reasons, mm. but I am worried for all the right reasons. We welcome the Cool Billion back to the uh, roundtable, the second part of Trailer Park Podcast, where we chat amongst ourselves, de-stress, and let it all out. Movies we've watched recently, things we uh, want to get off our chest. Tonight may be a shortened version of the roundtable because we've got shit to do. We're movers, we're shakers, and we got stuff on the docket. So, gentlemen, let's get to the goddamn point. I've watched some stuff, so I will unload... Um, but I would yeah, like to unload. offer. I have to think here for a second. You're gonna think for a second, okay? Andrew, have you watched stuff? Oh, I have watched uh, one thing specifically that I would like to talk about. Okay, let me go with uh, two things, and then I'll let you talk. Okay. Okay. Skyscraper didn't finish it. <laughs> what? I got to the part. I was ready to shut it off, and then he started climbing the crane, and I was like, "Fuck." I gotta okay. I'm gonna wait until he. I'm gonna wait until he gets to the top of the crane, makes his jump, and after he made the jump, I was like, okay, we're we're good. Chelsea and I were both okay. We're out. Mm -hmm. Garbage. Um, yeah, not worth it. Uh, It's weird seeing the rock in 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 shit like that because even though Schwarzenegger did the similar, he sort of tricked the camera in the same way. You're you're too giant to be a normal dude, man. Yeah, (laughs) you're too big. You can't, you're not like, oh, it's my dad, the accountant, and then the rock comes out. No, it's just, 
it's it's ridiculous because when you start like predicting all the tropes that a movie is going to engage in and you start and like there's just holes in the script just weak writing when you just start attacking a movie like chelsea and i are just vocally attacking skyscraper from minute one (laughs) just like oh that's his buddy he's gonna turn on him (laughs) boom oh shit he turned on him really really soon oh fuck (laughs) wow well, we, we got that right. Oh, wow. I feel zero connection to the family. Why is he telling his family to go up? There's no fire escape up. <sighs> okay. Why is he doing... Uh, that is not logical. This movie is not logically following a path. This is ridiculous. Who wrote this bullshit? Oh, <laughs> shit. He got to the crane. Well, let's 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 watch him jump off the crane. Okay. <laughs> All right. Turn it off. This is ridiculous as expected. And then... Yeah, I am. Sorry. Go ahead. So I, I listened to a podcast that... Really- the guys on the podcast, uh, you know, they, they're like uh, connoisseurs of awful action movies. They love them. And they could not tolerate Skyscraper either. There you go. In fact, they went and found a scene or a YouTube clip or something of an outtake from this movie where the entire crew and cast have been on set for like 14 hours. And Dwayne, Dwayne blows a take just to make a joke about Bruce Willis that no one laughs at. And it's like one of the most awkward things I've ever listened to. <laughs> yeah. He's a, uh, he's maybe great. a he may, he might be a problem. I don't know. I haven't quite decided. He's getting a little bit too big for his britches. Maybe this this is garbage. It looked like it was a China thing though. Like China was the one that wanted to make skyscraper. Yeah, and he made it right after Rampage. It was like the same thing. Ugh. Anyway, very disappointing to say the least. Uh, next, I have Equalizer Two. Oh, oh, wait, it came out. Yeah, in the theater. Yeah, came out in the theater a long time ago. Came out on uh, video recently. I didn't. I missed the whole theater. Yeah, uh, not not that bad. It was all right. It was about to go somewhere. Like Chelsea and I were like, "Oh yeah, yeah." This it was it had a good pissing contest between him and this guy, and we we're like, "Okay, good. This is going good." And it was actually surprising. Like, there's a part in the trailer that it was it was a weird experience because there's a part in the trailer where he says something and you cringe in the trailer. You're like, "Ugh." I think that's immediate reaction I had. But in the movie, that line with the context was like badass. So it was so weird because in the trailer, it's rare that you cringe at something in the trailer and then it ends up doing a 180 on you. True. So, but then it fell apart at the end. It uh, just does these, all these fucking action movies. It's like, why the first 75% you can, you can crush it, you can execute it. But then the last 25%, you just, it's like, you don't know what to do. It's like, you try to, okay, we got to turn up the volume. We got to do this. And they just make all these like bombastic production decisions because they think that the action movie needs to follow a specific trajectory or a specific formula. And it just fails when it, when they turn up the heat and go in those directions, it just, just stay the course, exploit the thing that was working. Ugh. Anyway, so good, but ultimately disappointing. Uh, intern, what do you got? I watched a movie that I don't know if it's aged very well. But uh, 1988, starring Damon Wayans, Jim Carrey, Jeff Goldblum, and Gina Davis. <gasps> Transylvania 65000. Earth Girls Are Easy. Oh. Um, <laughs> that that other one's on the docket, though. That Yeah, it is on the docket. Uh, so Gina Davis, it's interesting because I just watched The Fly recently also, and it's uh, Gina Davis and Jeff Goldblum following each other around for a couple years, I guess. Mm-hmm. Did they fuck? Uh, Oh, they did in real life. Six five thousand as well. You you can see Gina Davis's labia in that. <laughs> when, are, um, when are we shushing that? <laughs> yeah, that uh, I'd like to be a part of that. Uh, anyway, this is a very stereotypical, ridiculous, and uh, I think if any lady was on the podcast tonight, they would be 
pretty upset at the way that uh, females are treated throughout this whole movie. Super ridiculous. Super ridiculous. And uh, why is Jeff Goldblum like the sexiest man alive, apparently, hmm. in the late 80s? Was like, like a was that a thing? He was like a tall, tan, robust, mm-hmm. glistening, charming Jew. Mm-hmm. And like that like gave it an extra oomph that nobody else had. They made a, they made a statue of him somewhere. It seems so. I, yeah, I saw it. The <laughs> that Jurassic scene. Park one? Yeah, Jurassic Park scene where he's got his shirt mm-hmm. open, sweaty chest. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it doesn't make any sense to me because he plays like the sexy guy in these. Well, But I, I don't find that he's an attractive man. I don't know. Well, maybe you'd like to give us a rundown of your top five attractive men. Oh, that's tough. DDL. <laughs> men say, uh, that you would be okay performing fellatio on, go. Uh, Daniel Day-Lewis. You would suck. Called it DDL. You'd suck his dick? Uh, Edward Norton. Mm, really? You would get down uh, and dirty? These, these guys are not uh, who I would find attractive. I just think that they're uh, you would, talent you would... at their... No, I asked whose dick you would suck, and now oh, yeah. you are... that would be them. Okay. I thought you meant like, they, they look like they have nice dicks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I bet Dale Day Lewis's dick has got like a ton of personality. Like it's real thin <laughs> at the base, and thick at the head, and like crooked. Oh yeah. But it's, it's, even though it looks hideous, you just want to put it inside you. It's character uh, acting. Yeah. DiCaprio, maybe. I don't know. DiCaprio's penis might be might, it's might, real arrogant with an ugly beard. It's probably really <laughs> small, which means it wouldn't take much. Yeah. What 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 was his uh what was his little club called? The pussy uh was it pussy club or something? <laughs> him and know. him and Toby Maguire and some other useless twats were like a you know in a little club called the Pussy Club when DiCaprio was famous. Oh shit! I could see DiCaprio and Toby Maguire having like a very bad things moment where they kill a hooker mm-hmm. in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were all little buddies. I forget what the name of their club was. It was the Pussy Something. You know who? You know who it would be? Uh, Jackie Earl Haley, top of the list. Oh wow! Like God. like like recreate a scene from Little Children. Yeah, 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 sure. Yeah. But you know, Jackie Earl's got like I mean, he's got the baby arm. <laughs> Tripod, eh? <laughs> oh, that's great. What do you got, Dale? You got anything? I feel like I've watched something recently and I can't remember, but I will relay uh, a couple of things. Uh, one, Amanda caught me in the garage and uh, scorned you for not mentioning her silver shard. Oh, for the episode. Let me <clears> announce. Uh, Amanda said that she would silver shard this entire lineup um even though she had not watched the, all of the trailers well she did watch one she says that we're all crazy for not giving robin hood a negative two. Oh um, yeah yeah <laughs> she was she was high on robin hood for sure yeah yeah but th- this is something that i stumbled across the other night when i was like just uh trying to find something on netflix that i could fall asleep to um i got weirdly like rabbit holed into looking at marvel films that came out before the marvel universe was what it is now like you know Mm -hmm. after iron man it it, they took on a whole like strategy but before then it was just like i don't know please tell me you're about to talk about dolph lundgren punisher uh no that is i do (laughs) want to go back and see that though because i remember watching that when i was a kid and and, uh it it definitely has some great great cheese in it for sure he plays a pretty decent punisher But I'm glad you brought up the Punisher because that brings me to the like early 2000s Punisher with Thomas Jane. Oh, yeah. It's like it's like super weird and tame for that, Punisher, yeah. like a little bit too. That bottle should have broke. Yeah, I just, I just, there's something about Thomas Jane too. Like he's a just a weirdly like forgettable 
generic, whatever. The point is to get on to the next film, which fits into my favorite kind of category, which is the first one of these wasn't that great. So uh, what about you, Looney Bins director? Why don't you take some money and a bunch of uh, of these borderline B actors and uh, go have fun? So I just randomly stumbled into watching The Punisher colon Warzone. Oh, that one's good. Ray, Ray, Ray Stevenson. Yeah, it's got Ray Stevenson. And just I only caught the first like 20 minutes before I passed out. But in that 20 minutes, I was more than satisfied to the tippy top of my skull for brutal, hardcore violence. Yeah, I remember that one coming out uh, when I um, managed the video store. And I was like shocked at how brutal it was. And it is is no holds barred compared to the Punisher with Thomas Jane. It, that makes it look like a sleepy time children's book. Like yeah. the very beginning of the movie, within 30 seconds, there's dudes getting stabbed in the fucking skull with chair legs and not like in the eyeball or in the top yeah. of the head, like through the center of their face. So it all caves in people getting their heads cut off, intestines spilling out, like just brutal violence that I was not expecting at all from this like forgettable early years Marvel film. So I was shocked into glee and I will be returning to it. It works. I don't know if it went like all the way. I don't remember if it was good the whole way, but I do remember being very impressed because I expected nothing from it. Right. I had dismissed it completely. And I was like, wow, this this all works. And the fact that it's Ray Stevenson helps it because he can be this ruthless, brutal guy and actually embody what the Punisher character really is. And Thomas Jane can't do that because he's got that, you know, something, something about it. And I think the, the Punisher with Thomas Jane also has John Travolta in it, so it's all eh, something. Yeah, yeah. It's just, so, just so you know, Daniel, the Punisher Warzone came out the same year that Iron Man and the Incredible Hulk came out. It's 2008. So we can credit Punisher Warzone for officially starting the better Marvel universe. Right. It's not the first Iron Man, so you can stop sucking its dick, and you can start sucking on Ray's dick. <laughs> right. This is like right. the the movie that's right in the middle. While they're still making X-Men movies that aren't part of the MCU, but they've started the MCU. Well, gentlemen. It's like a crossover. I have something I need to do tonight. What's that? I want you to help. I want you to gather around because I have to go on a rant. It's a long. It's a rant about Spike Lee and Black Klansmen. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm doing this. <laughs> for the end, so you can cut it off real easy. If you're looking for a movie without a real protagonist or antagonist packaged with a weak plot, terrible script, and loads of propaganda, then Spike Lee has a two-hour and 15-minute surprise for you. Hmm? Look, Spike, that's fine if you want to make the bad guys a bunch of clan members, but if you make them all insufferable morons, then the infiltration of them doesn't come across as a difficult thing to achieve, and thus it turns your hero's great accomplishment into a stumble upon. In the real story of Stallworth, his investigation led to ten arrests, four of the clan members, and stopping a bomb plot involving some gay nightclubs. In the movie, They plan to bomb an African-American college, but settle for an attempt at the main character's girlfriend's house, and because they're so stupid, they end up blowing themselves up in the car. Not to mention the fact that the only thing he really does is talk to them on the phone, 
talks some shit to David Duke at a rally, and Adam Driver does all the legwork, who is Jewish in the movie, but was not in real life. Spike, if you're going to make a movie, and you want people to watch it and embrace it, then you need to make the villain competent. Sure, keep the fat one in there to make ignorant racist jokes in comic relief. But if you make them all complete asshats, then your stoic hero has nothing to overcome, and it creates no tension. This movie is candy for people who think the way that you want them to, Spike, and you're capable of way more than that, and you fucking know it. So get your shit, and get the fuck out. I second that. Had to do it. I liked Black Cosman. Yeah, well, a bunch of critics were chicken shit and gave it a bunch of great reviews, but it was garbage. So garbage. I gave it. Hmm? Why you break my balls? I gave it. What do you What do you want to say? What do you want to say, intern? Huh? Give it to me. (laughs) Challenge. Oh no, your opinion is uh, fine. You're allowed to have it. It's just that there's no like unless like it's two hours and fifteen minutes, and I just like. All the the writing is so on the nose. Like it's just ugh. It's like his fantasy of what he wishes that actual like scenario was like. And the true story is actually more interesting. Like why right. why, why are you dumbing this down? Like it's just ugh. I don't know. And then the opening segment with Alec Baldwin is like probably the best part of the movie. And uh, it's really racist. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it came naturally to Alec then. Yeah, potentially. But anyway, yeah, I just had to do uh, do that rant because that movie irritated me. And uh, yeah, there you have it. I have I have nothing else, gentlemen, unless you have something. No, I'm gonna go watch uh, Punisher Warzone. <laughs> mm-hmm. Do you have anything anything else to say, intern, or do you uh, bid adieu as well? No, I'm uh, I'm out. You all have a wonderful night. Thank you, and thank you to those of us or to those of you who joined us, and uh, we appreciate you, and hope you will return uh, in the future. Uh, at TrailerParkPodcast.com, SadSackStudios.com, at T-Park Podcast, at SadSackStudios. Good night.